You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Tar on the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zance, joined by my co host, Steven Russo. No guests this week, special Monday edition of the, of the show, you know, got some things going on this week and, you know, we figure we don't want to make you guys wait a full week almost and talk about this Jets Colts game and preview next week. Steven, how you doing tonight, man? I'm good, man. Uh, four, four days to let that loss marinate. Um, you know, it gets a little bit easier, but you still kind of stew a little bit, especially, uh, you know, Mike White going down and the wind kind of getting taken out of your sails, but uh, I'm doing okay. I realize this is what the season about this, is what this season is about. Um, going to be some growing pains. There's going to be ups and downs, but uh, doing okay. How are you, man? Yeah, same here. I mean, I wasn't overly upset about the game, to be honest with you. It was like, it's just, once you get down to the third string quarterback, you can't really get mad at the team for losing. The guys should not even really be on the field. And the only reason he's active is because Zach is hurt. And I guess they just didn't want to activate Flacco, which is kind of weird at this point because they traded a draft pick for him. But like the defense was bad, but it wasn't the, the part of the defense that we thought would be bad. It was the defensive line just not being able to stop anything. Like Jonathan Taylor, granted, he's a very good player. So I don't want to really downplay his performance because he does, you know, do this to a lot of teams but he just literally looked like Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith out there and just did whatever he wanted. And it's like, it's a little embarrassing that the strength of the team was really the Achilles heel of the team. Carson Wentz was okay, but it's just, it's, it's unacceptable to just get gashed in the ground like that when the strength of the team is supposed to be that defensive line that, you know, has always been vaunted as, you know, amazing, but you know, it's one game. We scored some points. Elijah Moore seems to really be coming along Michael Carter continues to be really solid. So like you have some things, but you know, at the end of the day, you still want to, you know, be a little more competitive than that and not give up 45 points, which is kind of embarrassing because you think about it, they give up 45, they give up 54 to the Patriots and they also give up 31 to the Bengals. That's not good. Salah's MO is defense. And, you know, I, I know that defensively against the Bengals, they actually had a lot of opportune plays, which is why they won the game. But you still got to, you know, if you want to win this league, you can't be giving up 30 plus points every week. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, 130 points given up in three three weeks combined. I mean, that's that's not good. I, I tend to think that the Bengals game wasn't great, but it was, a, it was obviously a little better than, you know, New England and Indianapolis. I think you got to take kind of that 10,000 foot view and look at this as, OK, it's the youngest team in the league coming off a, uh, you know, a, a, a big win. Right. And then traveling on three days rest and playing on Thursday night. But to your point, you know, I think if you had asked any Jets fan or, you know, anyone that has any involvement with the team at all, what one positional group that they were confident in coming into the season would have been the defensive line. So to know that they failed the way they did, 
coming into this game against the Colts when, you know, the Colts could have told us their game plan before the game. They knew, you know, everyone knew you were going to run Jonathan Taylor. Like Carson Wentz, he's having a decent year, but you're not scared of him. So to have them gash the Jets defense the way they did, um, I think Samini tweeted out that it was like, you know, they were averaging seven yards before getting touched, you know, running the ball, which is just an insane stat. To, so to get gashed for 260 yards, it, it sucked to have the Colts come out score on six out of their seven score touchdowns on six out of their seven first offensive drives. The only one they didn't score on was a goal line stuff. Like, so they made it down there every time when those first seven drives, like it was a tough pill to swallow, but I agree when you kind of take a step back and you look at it, like I was still glued to the TV, the offense looking improved, kept me in it. Uh, it kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth, knowing that they, if, if they had just gotten one or two stops along the way, or maybe even recovered a damn fumble that the course of the game could have changed. And maybe it would have looked different, you know, uh, come the end of it, but give, if you switch to the other side of the ball, give credit where it's due. Michael Floor, public enemy number one through the first six games. Now he looks like Booth LaFleur is like a god to Jets fans because now you, you actually have an offense that's outpacing the defense, which, you know, we've never had. Um, third string quarterback thrown for 300 yards with a second string quarterback thrown for 400 the week before. I mean, the offense has looked good. And the cherry on top here is that it's on the backs of these young core players that we're legitimately excited about that are going to be foundational pieces it's on the backs of, uh, you know, Michael Carter and Ty Johnson and Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore with his best game so far as a pro. And it just, I'm very excited about where this offense could be. So as we kind of transition towards what this looks like, and I want to kind of get in with you and get your thoughts on the success that Mike White and Josh Johnson had and what that means for your thoughts on Zach Wilson when he returns. What are you thinking there? Because I think there's two ways this could swing is like people look at it as negative for, for Zach Wilson saying, well, if these two guys can do it, why the hell isn't he or why the hell didn't he? Uh, or they could say, you know what, this is an encouraging sign for what this offense could look like when Zach ultimately comes back and we think he can return to form or to, to what we think he could be. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think you really got to look at it in both directions because obviously it's concerning that, you know, we thought the offense was broken, but obviously you saw two different quarterbacks be productive in it. But I will say is it's really hard to compare Zach to Mike White and Josh Johnson. I know people are going to point to Mike White never playing in a meaningful snap in the NFL, but the, at the end of the day, he still has been in an NFL building for three years already, and he still has been watching defenses and been in those rooms with people talking about what to look for and what to see. And, you know, he's a different skill set than Zach. He's going to check, get those check downs and everything. And Josh Johnson is a 35-year-old veteran quarterback. He's been in the league for, what, 13 years? So clearly he knows how to run an NFL offense. He may not necessarily be, like, this amazing player, but it's hard to just really, like, compare the two when Zach is just coming from BYU and he never played him or sat in an NFL, you know, quarterback room up until, you know, six months ago. So, I mean, I think Zach is going to look like a different player whenever he gets on the field. I know obviously the debate is, is he going to play this week because they purposely didn't put him on IR because they were holding a hope he could return against Buffalo. But at the same time, I think, you know, he's sitting and he's sat in the, in the booth of the floor against uh, Cincinnati. And then last week he was on the sideline. I just think that, you know, he's going to realize that he's got to make like, you know, the easier throws don't, don't force it and just take what the defense is giving, because obviously LaFleur has shown that he's able to be creative, you know, he's done a bunch of trick plays, you know, they've been doing a little more unique things compared to what we saw. It just, it seems like they're not, you know, running every first down, they're actually trying to, you know, throw the ball down the field. So I'm encouraged to see what Zach can do. I mean, I think we, we just talked about this before we went live. I think, 
you really got to be careful with Zach. You don't want him to re-injure re this. And I'm sure that they're obviously keeping that in mind. But at the same time, it's like you want, you're, you're kind of eager to see what he can do. And I think just watching from afar is only going to help him because, you know, a lot of great quarterbacks didn't start it right away. And they had the benefit of just watching someone else do it. Yeah. I mean, I think this, this time off is only going to benefit him. Um, and, you know, I was never in the camp of, of Zach Wilson sucks, you know, leading up to this whole Mike White and Josh Johnson thing either. I mean, he's, he's a, a rookie quarterback in his first six starts that had an up and down games. You know, I think if you go back through it, I think he was mediocre at Carolina. He was bad against New England. He didn't play poorly against Denver, had a great game against Tennessee, um, you know, a decent second half against Atlanta. Uh, and I think that's where we really started to see where he couldn't really hit those easy throws. I was like, oh, this is something to, you know, kind of have cause for concern. Um, you know, so I don't I was never discouraged by Zach Wilson or his performance, you know, leading up to this these couple of games. But I think the fact that Mike White and Josh Johnson have had success in the system leaves me encouraged about the system and extremely encouraged about what it's going to look like when Zach Wilson returns. And I think given the choice, I'd obviously rather have a quarterback that we'd have to coach on how to hit the checkdowns and how to take the easy stuff as opposed to vice versa. And someone that was so willing to check it down and never look downfield, I feel like it'd be much easier to, to coach Zach Wilson to figure out, you know, okay, listen, when, you know, they're taking away this deep stuff, this is what you got to hit. Or when they give this look, your underneath stuff's going to be available. I'd rather have that guy that you can coach to hit the easy stuff and still keep that, you know, kind of big play uh, game uh, in his repertoire. So I, overall, I'm not panicked on, on Zach Wilson or anything. Um, I'm encouraged for what, he's going to look like after a couple games out and, you know, knowing what this offense can be when it's run efficiently, I think is uh, extremely encouraging as well. And I'm, I'm wholeheartedly in agreement with you on what they should do this week. If there's any shred of doubt that Zach Wilson's not hundred percent, he shouldn't even be active, get him back this week to practice. I think that's kind of the big thing as to why they didn't put him on IR is not so much to play this bills game, but to get him back for this week of practice if Mike White's healthy, you start him. You have Josh Johnson as the number two because clearly he proved that he could do it. I don't know what, you know, the Flacco thing we can get in. I'm not losing sleep over them trading a, a six-round pick for, you know, not knowing what they had in the building with Mike White. I don't know if anyone could have predicted that. Um, but keep Zach Wilson inactive. Let Mike White start. Josh Johnson the backup. Bring Zach Wilson back when he's 100% against Miami. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, it's – I feel good about the coaching staff, believe it or not. I know the defense obviously just got cashed, but I like the ability to adapt. I think that they're trying different things and I, you know, I still want them to be aggressive and like, you know, go for it on fourth down more often, especially when they're up across the 50 and just like try different things that really, you know, a coach who's really coaching for his job couldn't get away with. We got to remember on the defensive side of the ball, I don't, I don't want to make excuses for them. It's still a really young defense and, you know, there's a dearth of talent there. I mean, like, who the hell is playing safety for this team anymore? Because <laughs> I really don't know. And I, I do want to, you know, give you just like basically thank Marcus May because he's not coming back. He played his last down as a Jet. I know you put that in your first and 10 column that came out today. Everyone check it out and try the Jets.com. <laughs> I just think that you got to remember that. Like, it's a young secondary. The safeties, I mean, Ashton Davis has been okay at best. I mean, he's he kind of leaves a lot of meat on the bone. I mean, he makes some plays sometimes, but he obviously there's miscues because I don't think that he really knows how to read cover, like read what those op the offense is trying to do. I think he's trying to rely on his, you know, really strong athleticism that he has. He's probably the most athletic player on the defense, really, for the most part. 
But at the end of the day, I think, you know, it's the youngest team in the NFL. And I think that there's progress that's been made, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because we felt like the offense was so far behind the defense. And now it seems like this, this, uh, the switch is flipped. So I feel good about it, but I really hope that this defense can learn how to recover a fumble because there was three fumbles on one drive that they had plenty of opportunities to maybe shift the game in their favor. And that's like the frustrating part is it kind of felt like, I don't know if you saw yesterday, the Jaguars kicker, he had three opportunities to kick a field goal on the same drive. There was three, two penalties. He missed every single one. It was literally like the Jets trying to recover a fumble. It's like something has to give. Like you got to get those opportunities. They're not going to happen all the time. And we saw how long it took for them to get an interception. So it's like, you have to play with an urgency. You have to be there and fall on that football because you just don't know. Like if you fall, if one thing goes your way, you can shift the game. And we, we talked about it after the Bengal game. It's like, if Elijah Moore doesn't make that tackle on the pick on the interception, they probably lose the game. So it's like, you just never know how one play in football can really shift momentum. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot to so <clears throat> you talk about the way that Lafleur is coaching. So I, I want to take and I some of it's got to be attributed to him just being in the booth, but he's definitely emptied the bag uh, when it comes to trick plays um, over the course of the last few weeks. So I'd like to see him continue to do that uh, when Zach Wilson does return. We've talked about the fact that listen, you guys should this coaching staff should be coaching like they're playing with house money here. They should be taking risks. They should be doing those things going forward on the on the opponent side of the field. The one play I'll go back to on the floor that I absolutely love was him doing the double pass to Crowder back to Michael Carter yes. on, on third it. and 15. That's the first drive with your third string quarterback in and they get in the third and 15, uh, you know, which a lot of teams would have just been, you know, let's run a draw play, let's run a screen, play, a screen pass B. We're going to be fine punting, but they weren't. And they got the first down, which is great. Now, unfortunately, you know, one of those plays you talk about that could swing momentum, then Ty Johnson, I think, fumbles, you know, a play or two after that and the whole momentum shifts anyways. But the Jets, we've talked about this so much on the show. The Jets just simply, they're not a good enough team to be able to overcome some of these mistakes that they're making. So when you talk about penalties or drop picks or missed tackles or fumbles that happen, fumbles that they force that they don't recover, those are just those things that could momentum shift and change the course of a game. And especially when you come back and you start making stops and you know late in the third quarter and fourth quarter and you're down there with a minute to go, you know, ready to score a touchdown. It's it's like the landscape of that game could have completely changed. So that's, it's a double-edged sword. It leaves you feeling like it leaves you at, like you have a sour taste in your mouth, but it also leaves you feeling kind of encouraged. Like, well, at least this team fought. And I think <clears throat> not only are we seeing the offense improve, I think Will tweeted out the stats that the Jets are actually top 15 in passing right now, which is just insane, right? But like, that's- what a world. <laughs> but t- like, just take a step back and realize what an Adam Gase team would have looked like going down 28-10 at the half last year. And, you know, this team fought back. I think that says a lot about Salah and the coaching staff and what they're building here. I don't want to spend too much time, like, looking in and harping on on one game. You have to kind of look at it holistically here. But I think that is an encouraging sign. So I hope that with, you know, 10 days off here that Salah and Ulbrich can really get into this and fix these defensive line and defensive issues because overall, man, it hasn't looked pretty the last three weeks. I think they played above expectation for the first part of the season. Last three weeks, it's been – regressing to the mean, probably below the mean. Uh, <clears throat> another thing I think you can attribute CJ Mosley didn't have a very good game. Excuse he's me. On Thursday he's night. Been pretty good. Every other game. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> he's been, he's been otherworldly, you know, for the first, uh, first seven games of the year. So uh, the fact that he had a down game, the jets just simply, that's another one of those things are just simply not good enough to overcome. So they need him to play lights out every week to have a chance on defense. And he just, you know, like you said, he was due. 
I mean, I want to call it John Franklin Myers. Ever since he got the bag, man, he's done nothing. I like, I'm getting, I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I'm getting a lot of, you know, Mo Wilkerson vibes. It's like, come on, man. Like you were this awesome player that we were all were super excited. Everyone was like banging on the table, resign this guy, resign this guy, which I'm happy they did. And I don't really think that he's going to be like that. You know, I think that teams are maybe scheming around him, knowing what he can do. And I think he'll be fine in the long term, but I'm a little just disappointed. You know, he was a he was a disruptive force, even in that Pats game that, you know, obviously we were awful in. He was awesome in that game and he was great really until the Atlanta game when they dropped him back in coverage on Kyle Pitts, which made no sense whatsoever. But that's just one thing I wanted to call out because it's been a little frustrating to see him not really make much of an impact every week since he got the contract. Mm-hmm. But I also want to flip the switch there and give credit to the offensive line because even though they lost, I think still think they continue to play much better, especially in the interior, which has been the problem. I mean, we know Elijah Vertuck is good. We know Morgan Moses is rock solid. And I'm happy George Fant came back, even though Hadoga held his own against Cincinnati. So, you know, it's it was definitely an Achilles heel and really the punching bag for a while because we just felt like the, the offense was being held back because the offensive line wasn't protecting or really opening up holes to run. But they've been much better. And I got to give, like, you know, Van Roten and McGovern a little bit of credit here as much as I, you know, like to rip them. They've been playing better. So you got to give credit to the staff there because – Clearly, they've made adjustments to really, you know, hide the deficiencies, especially what GBR has. So, it, you know, you got to think of good things that happen, and there's still a lot of ball to be played. I mean, Jets have still have, what, nine games left, and, you know, probably eight more with Zach playing quarterback because Salah did say today at his presser that if Zach Wilson's healthy, he's the quarterback. He finally gave him the ringing endorsement that we were, like, wondering where it was last week. I think he just didn't want to put unfair pressure on Zach, and also just he's like, Mike White deserved another game. So I think that's really where his head was at, but Guys, they they spent they spent the number too big on Zach. They owe him th- they paid thirty five million dollars to get this guy here. So it's like, unless Mike White is like literally throwing for four hundred and three touchdowns and they're winning games, he's not going to be the quarterback. I hate to bring him on the bubble, but if he plays well this week, I'll be happy. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna make sure that I cover my ass a little bit. There. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I agree with that. The offensive line, you know, the the Jets in two weeks have put up almost a thousand yards of offense. You can't do that if your line is playing like shit. So. It, you know, obviously we're seeing improvement and, you know, kudos to the offense too. They're doing it without their starting quarterback, without their starting left tackle and without the number one wide receiver and Corey Davis. So the fact that they've been able to do this um, obviously is a, is a good sign. And again, you know, props to the floor for being able to do it. He's, he's, you know, he's coaching well right now. I hope it continues um, for obvious reasons. It'll be interesting to see when Corey Davis returns, how that wide receiver rotation, how that we'll say pass catcher rotation works out. Cause now you got Croft injured. Uh, hopefully Corey Davis comes back from the, the hip this week. I think one of the things that all Jets fans can agree on is that that rotation of players and how he's used them um, over the course of the last two games has been much improved. And that's all something that we can get behind and we like. So I'm, you know, no one will know if that, if Corey Davis being out, you know, contributed to that. And if Corey Davis returning, will maybe have him go back to, to what he was doing prior, but I hope he keeps this same uh, mentality and same rotation. And for all of us that were uh, clamoring for Denzel Mims to get more playing time, man, we had your back, dude, catch the ball, Denzel, please catch that's- the ball when it's thrown to you. Yeah, no, but you know what I think has been a good thing, at least in, be, with this receiving core, you know, being shifted around because of the injury to Corey Davis. It's shown that Elijah can be the guy, and I think they're going to scheme more for him than Corey Davis going back. I think, and I think that's a good thing because I think Corey is more suited as a number two option, not a number one option. But obviously, because we didn't really have one, and that was what he was signed to do, 
that's why he was playing that role. But I think LaFleur's realized I got to figure out ways to make ensure that Elijah Moore is getting the football because once he's in the open fields, he makes so many guys miss and he's so shifty. He does a lot of the same things that like Kadarius Tony does. I'm not going to compare him to Tyreek Hill, but you know, he can literally make plays in the open field. He's obviously not as fast as Tyreek Hill, but he's just so damn elusive. And it's just really fun to watch because he seems like the most fun young player that the Jets have had on offense. And I don't even really know how long. I mean, they haven't had a lot of them. I know Keyshawn's your boy. Would you say he's the most young, fun receiver that they've had really since Keyshawn was a rookie? You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yes, probably. Right. I think That's you good. could, yeah, I mean, I think you probably, even though uh, we didn't draft it, you could probably throw San Antonio Holmes in that. Uh, when the Jets had San Antonio and Braylon, th- those, you know, those guys were fun, except that was just such a run heavy offense. But that 2010 run with Santonio making those plays, he was young and exciting at that time. So, but yeah, we can go back. I to think teaching. I think Elijah could be better, honestly. I, oh, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think Elijah yeah. could be like a top 12 receiver in the NFL. Like I think throw Lavernius in there. Good. Lavernius Coles. Lavernius Coles Lavernius is in there. Was like he was good. He wasn't like amazing. He was really solid. Like he was just yeah. a very good yeah. player. Yep. He was good because he was a jet. He would never have been like as like no as like we, other fan bases probably would just like, yeah, he's a solid guy. Like, I mean, I kind of feel like that about Katri. Like he was just a very solid player. I mean, mm-hmm. Coles was better because he obviously was a, a full-time starter, whereas Katri was a slot guy and he wasn't obviously getting, you know, as many targets as those guys. Yeah, but Lavernius was awesome. I mean, I yeah. you know, couldn't say enough good things about him. <laughs> I, I loved it. I mean, Kribat, and there's there's a lot of good guys, but we never had like I mean, Brandon Marshall in 2015 was the closest thing I've seen to a superstar wide receiver on mm-hmm. the Jets offense. Decker was really good, but Marshall was just like, it was insane what he did. And yeah. that's probably what like Pete Keyshawn felt like for you. Cause obviously I was really young when Keyshawn was on the team. I had a Keyshawn jersey. Don't worry, I had one. But like, I don't really remember watching him play. Kerbet was really the yeah. first receiver that I remembered watching play that was like really good for the Jets. That 98 year with Keyshawn and Vinny Testaverde uh, was special. Keyshawn was um, was out of his mind good. And you can make an argument in 99, he he really was better, except he played with, 
you know, the likes of Rick Meyer for a couple of games and then Ray Lucas and, uh, you know, Ray Lucas was good down that stretch, but uh, he wasn't Vinny. But either way, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, and I think James last week brought up an interesting point about, you know, kind of asking the question of what positional groups give Joe Douglas confidence moving into next year to where he feels like he doesn't have to either quote unquote fix it or even, you know, add a bunch to that room through the draft. And I think the wide receiver room is kind of coming into form as one of those, one of those groups that we feel pretty good about as the season is progressing. And I think the reason is because you're not relying on guys like Jeff Smith as your number one or number two option, right? Jeff Smith is a fine five or a six. And clearly he's shown that when he's throwing the ball, he can make the catch, which is great. But now you've got guys like Keelan Cole and Jameson Crowder and Elijah Moore that are all reliable. And when you add Corey Davis back in that mix, like that's what a wide receiver course should look like. You shouldn't have to rely on Jeff Smith being your number one guy, but he's fine as a five. Um, so when you like Keelan Cole made a couple of really, really tough catches that were, uh, that were really I want to good. Bring him back. I really I, do. I, I really like him and he's a good locker room guy. I've seen him like I, in the videos they post and in one just drive, I want them to bring him back. I really, I hundred percent really agree good. with you. And I think that at a minimum of Cole and Crowder, the jets should bring one of those two back. And I wouldn't be opposed to bringing them both back. Um, I think Crowder is a solid piece too. I've been on the Crowder bandwagon for a while. I think as you continue to grow this offense and grow this, you know, try to put pieces around this QB, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to bring them both back uh, and run it back with this wide receiver core next year. Yeah. I mean, I personally don't think they're going to bring Crowder back. And I think it's more or less because I think he wants to play for a contender and the Jets are still probably, I think next year, assuming they make the right moves, are probably going to be in the hunt, hopefully. That's what we're hoping for. I know we've been talking about this for a while already. But I think he'd rather go to a team that actually is, like, pretty much a shoo assuming the quarterback that they have doesn't get hurt to go to the playoffs. Like, I mean, Kansas City, to me, is such a good spot for him because they really need a second wide receiver in that offense because McCall Hardman's okay, and obviously, you know, Tyreek is Tyreek. Travis Kelsey is getting a little bit older and he fits so well. He could be such a good security blanket for Mahomes. I just think he's going to go somewhere where he feels like it's actually a chance to win a Super Bowl. The Jets are probably not there. Even if they made the playoffs next year, they probably, you know, it's wild card weekend and that, that would be like a tremendous season. Yeah. But I also think they wouldn't hate, you know, going a little more on the youth side. You know, the, I mean, next year you're locked into Corey Davis, you're locked into Elijah, those two for sure. Obviously, uh, Keelan Cole is a free agent. He signed a one year contract. I don't know what Jeff Smith's contract is. I don't know what Braxton Berrios is. I like Berrios too. I think Berrios is good on special teams. He always gets pretty solid returns, and I think the special teams unit is so underrated. With the he fair catches too the, much. What's that? I said he fair catches too much. He does, but, like, he's good on I'd rather, returns. I'd rather have that than, than have a guy that fumbles or that's a – I don't ever question that Braxton's going to catch the punt. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not a, it's not a wild like card Braxton. whether he's going to fumble Braxton, or not. So I'd Braxton's rather have a that. useful player because when he's yes. thrust into the offense, he actually catches the ball and he usually and he's quick and fast, and he's also he plays specials and you need guys who can play specials and he seems like a good locker room guy. I want to keep him, but like I'm sure they're going to shuffle things around, but they definitely have to upgrade the tight end room. Well, I'll say is Croft is obviously decent. Like you know he made that unbelievable catch early, you know in the game. It's, he's not like a, a guy that you're just like super excited about, but like I would bring him back if you brought back. So yeah. if you got somebody else, I mean, he, you cannot run him back with Ryan Griffin. And I mean, we don't really know what Kenny Bow is. And I was kind of mm-hmm. hoping he would get an opportunity, but it doesn't seem like he's going to do much. And I know DJ said like, don't expect much at him. I'd imagine they're probably going to draft the tight end in the mm-hmm. early rounds. 
I would love the guy from Ohio State, Ruckert. He's really, really good. And I think this is a decent tight end class. And I think that's really a place where you have to invest the pick. I mean, depending on, you know, how the season nets out, I would be fine with the corner. I mean, if they're in position to take Stingley or, or Calvin Booth, you gotta, you have to do it. I mean, you need like a definitive, you know, number two corner. I know Michael Carter II has shown a lot of flashes and I like him, but maybe, you know, they would move him to the slot full time because I know they've kind of shifted him and Gidry and Gidry has been pretty good too. I mean, like, Overall, the corners have not been the problem. I mean, they're going to get exposed at some point. I mean, the fact that they held Jamar Chase, who literally was tearing the NFL apart, it's it's good. But, but I mean, listen, it's a young team, like we keep saying, and I'm, I'm excited for the future. I think, you know, assuming Zach takes the steps that we're hoping he will, mm-hmm. especially when he comes back from injury, it's like next year could really be one of the most fun seasons. And there's been some fun moments. I mean, like I actually – you know, don't feel hopeless about the staff. I know a couple of weeks ago we were all really down after the New England game, but like they're showing signs. It's a young team, young staff, and you got to be encouraged with the floor. But I want to shift obviously to this week because you know divisional game. We're you know we're playing Buffalo, but I, I'm not saying they're going to win this game because number one we don't know who's playing quarterback, but it seems like all sides are playing to Mike White, and I think that would be mm-hmm. a smart move just to ensure the Zach's 100 healthy. And, you know, we got a full three weeks to watch, but. What you saw from Buffalo is they played down to their competition. I mean, they've already lost three games. I mean, none of their wins are really impressive. I, I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons this morning, and they're talking about the teams that they beat. They beat the Texans. They beat Miami twice, who's pretty bad. So that's three wins. And they haven't played New England yet, and they haven't played us yet. I'm just trying to – I can't remember their, their wins. But they really don't have any impressive wins. They lost to the Steelers. They lost to the Titans. Oh, they beat, beat the Chiefs. Yeah, but the Chiefs aren't good. I, I, like, I know. It's, they're, they're, like that, that win looked a lot better at the time, but they're, they're not that good. I mean, they were pretty terrible yesterday. I mean, they're lucky that Aaron Rodgers was not playing quarterback for the Packers because if he was, they were losing that game because the Packers' defense was really good yesterday. They just could not score any points. But my point is, is that Buffalo is just not – oh, yeah, they beat Washington. I know they beat Washington too. So it's mm. like they're a good team. I mean, they're – you know, the best team in our division, I would say, but fucking Patriots, excuse my language, are creeping up and it's really pissing me <laughs> off because it's kind of hoping there's a view demise of them. But I also don't think they're that good. I mean, they beat us twice. They have one home win. It was against us. So it's like, you got to win home games. You want to be a good team in the NFL. But I, my point is, is that I don't think Buffalo is a scary opponent where everyone's like, don't play Zach. We don't want to embarrass him. I mean, like they just scored six points or against the Jaguars or whatever it was. Josh Allen looked lost. I mean, so my point is, is that this is a winnable game. I mean, mm-hmm. let Mike White start. And if he sucks, you could go right back to Zach and nobody will ever care about Mike White anymore. But he'll probably yeah. be the backup quarterback at least next year, you know? What do you think? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think um, there's a lot of things here. So, first of all, you know, Jets only beat division winners at home. So, watch out, Buffalo. <laughs> Right. But no, I mean, in all honesty, you know, the bills are struggling a little bit. I think they're injured on the offensive line. I think the offensive line isn't playing up the, up, up to par. I know, you know, I'm in central New York, man. So I got a lot of bills fans, friends that, uh, that I hear a lot about. So, you know, they're bitching about Dable. Uh, you know, I don't think Dable's, uh, I think he's kind of public enemy number one right now in, in, oh, in Buffalo, please. but I listen, man, I'm just telling you, I'm they're reporting insane. what I hear. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, I, I do think this is a winnable game. I, let's, 
you know, a lot of things have to go right and click for the Jets. And I'm very concerned, obviously, about their defense. If they come up and if they come out and they show up the way that they did against the Colts, we're going to get boat raced. It's not going to be good if you can't. That that the Spills offense, even what forget about what they showed in Jacksonville, this Bills offense is much better than the Colts offense. So, um, you know, the other thing um, is I'm sorry, I'm losing my train of thought here. Oh, it's Zach Wilson. Uh, you know. I don't think I don't think the question about whether or not to start Zach Wilson was really about getting embarrassed by the Bills. I think it's just he's a young quarterback. If he's not healthy enough to start, then just don't play him. Um, and when you have a you know when you come back and you have a home stretch, then you know that includes uh, you know Miami and um, who else is coming? It's Miami at Houston, uh, and a couple other easy games right coming up uh, at home. I think that's kind of the you know what you're looking to do. It was never about getting embarrassed by Buffalo. If he's 100 healthy, then start him because you want him to get the experience. If he's not, don't. Start start and that's it so I don't know what to think about this Buffalo game man I'm I'm excited to see what uh 10 days to review uh that defensive performance from Sal and Ulbrich and how this defense is going to look and show up against a really good Bills offense um and we'll see what Mike White looks like if you know if he's healthy if he's 100 and what he comes out with and let's hope that we can continue to see offensive progress because uh that's you know, Jets have played well at home. They're a young team. I think that's expected. You're, they're going to play better at home than they do on the road. Um, but it'll be exciting to see how they come out against the Bills. I don't think anyone's expecting a win. If they keep it competitive, I consider that. That's, you know, considered a moral victory or whatever you want to say. But that's all we're really looking for. That's all we're looking for out of this season. Yeah. And the one thing about the Bills, and the only reason I know this is because I have Zach Moss in fantasy, and obviously I'm play, paying close, close attention to his stats every week. He really can't run the ball. And that was obviously the biggest problem for the Jets. I mean, if they run the ball against the Jets, we have some issues because Zach Moss is, I don't think ever really had any more than like 60 yards in a game. His He'll probably beat us from like catches in the backfield because that's usually how he's been pretty solid this year. But I'm interested to see how these corners go against Diggs, Sanders, and Beasley because it's definitely one of the more potent groups that they're going to go against all year. Obviously, they haven't played Tampa Bay yet, which – man, if they're fully healthy and Brown is healthy because I know mm-hmm. he's been on crutches from an ankle injury – that's going to be really terrifying to watch Mike Evans go and Gronk and what's it called Antonio Brown. That's like literally a nightmare, but they also might have like a, their playoff spot already locked in. So I mean, I've been playing those guys, but that's going to be like the most interesting matchup. I want to see how they, these guys, especially Bryce Hall goes against Diggs. He's been tremendous. Like he is just always, you know, playing to his assignment. He never gets burned. I mean, obviously he's going to m- miss sometimes. I mean, he's maybe get a penalty or two, but, I really want to see how he performs against Stephon Diggs. And Stephon Diggs kind of been very okay this year. He's not been the Stephon Diggs of 2020. So this could, maybe this is the game that he breaks out and be able to show up Bryce Hall. But I'm super excited to see that. I also want to see how the Jets run the ball. I mean, I know the corners, I mean, the corners are really elite for, um, well, actually the secondary as a whole for Buffalo is really strong. But the run defense is okay. They can definitely are a little more uh, prone to giving up big rush plays. I know a lot of teams have had success against them. I really want to see Michael Carter get a hundred yard game. That would just make me so happy because the guy is so good and so shifty and talented. And he just seems like he's just so close to he's just breaking through. Just like we finally got Elijah to break through with those two touchdowns. It's like, I just really want to see a hundred yard game out of Michael Carter. It'd make me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think when you talk about, you know, Bryce Hall, the secondary, obviously you got to talk about, you know, the absence of Marcus May. So what the safety positional group is going to look like. You mentioned earlier in the show, I mean, Ashton Davis, 
I really don't know what to think. I brought it up last week. I don't think he's looked good. I'm not uh, an analyst. I mean, you know, I don't break down the safety position, but just the eye test, he doesn't look great to me. I think there were differing opinions on what Ashton Davis has looked like too. Uh, you know, Connor Rogers on Badlands said that Ashton Davis didn't look good. You look at a guy like LeJay Doosable who's saying, you know, you guys clearly are, you know, saying to someone on Twitter that, you don't understand football because Ashton Davis played his ass off. So I don't know, but pair Ashton Davis with whoever the hell else is going to be back there at safety against a really good, uh, you know, Bills offense and, and specifically a Bills receiving core. Uh, you don't know if Dawson Knox is coming back, but at the same time, like you got to think about the way the Jets played against Cincinnati. That Cincinnati team was freaking hot coming in there. I don't think Joe Burrow is Josh Allen, but when you look at that group of, of, you know, receivers and tight ends with, uh, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, and then Uzoma. Like that's, you know, that's a good core and that's a, that's a good group there. And, and, the Jets, and, yeah, and I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. And Boyd and the Jets were able to handle it. So it's all a matter of which team shows up. I, I mean, I think obviously the Jets playing at home that benefits them. I think having 10 days to prepare, you would hope benefit them. I did think that, you know, coming out of the bye week too, and look <laughs> what happened. Um, but let's, you know, let the, I think the biggest thing is going to be, can this defensive line show up and play like the defensive line that we, uh, thought we were going to get coming into this season. I think that's going to be a real key. Cause I think the bills offensive line is hurt. They're struggling a little bit. If you can get after Josh Allen and make him make some mistakes, then the, the tie could turn. You could be looking at a game where they could pull one off. That's a little bit unexpected. Yeah. Very possible. I mean, I, we can make our picks, even though it's very early in the week and a lot can happen. I'm going to make a pick for both contingencies. So assuming if Zach Wilson plays, I'm going to make a pick. If Mike White plays, I'm going to make a pick. And if, if you really want to go crazy, they can make a Josh Johnson pick, but I don't think that Josh Johnson's going to play. So if Mike White plays, I think that the Jets will probably play a little bit better because he's obviously been playing in Zach's low Rossi. So I think in both scenarios, they lose. But I think if Mike White plays, it's a lot closer. I think it's like more of like a 24-20 game. And if Zach Wilson plays, I want to say it's like 28-17. So not that big of a drop-off, but I think Buffalo is probably going to win, especially after having such a terrible loss. You know, But the one thing I will say is the Jets last year played Buffalo actually decent in both games, and they were one of the worst teams in football, if not the worst, depending on who you talk to. Because obviously the Jaguars ended up with the first pick, but if you watch the Jets, they lost their first 13 games. My point is it's a division game, so a lot a lot of things could be thrown out the window. I mean, like Miami somehow was playing Buffalo tough a couple weeks ago, and I know they ultimately lost by double digits, but they gave them a lot of problems. So I think a game will be a little bit closer than people expect. I think the, the line is 13 and a half, which is obviously a lot, but and we just saw that Buffalo laid 14 at first versus Jacksonville. You know, anything could happen. So what do you think? Are you gonna do two two picks or just one pick? I'll just do one pick. I think there's really no chance that Zach Wilson starts here. I think we're going to roll with Mike White. If he's got feeling back in that hand, uh, then then he'll be good to go. And I think that's a smart thing. I think if there's any shred of doubt that Zach doesn't uh, or isn't 100%, then just just sit him and, and don't even uh, activate him, like I said earlier. Um, I think this game is is closer. I don't think it's uh, – I don't think the Jets are giving up 45 again. I don't think it's over in the second quarter. But uh, I think ultimately it's a two-score game, and uh, the Bills win 31-21. But I think it's a little closer than that score with the Bills scoring a touchdown late. Uh, uh, to solidify it. But I think Mike White comes out and presses again. He's not going to throw for 403 touchdowns, but he looks like, uh, like you know, a competent and, and quality quarterback and uh, keeps him in it for a little bit. But ultimately the Bills are just – and their offense is just too much for the Jets to handle. Yeah, it's it's going to – I think Buffalo is going to play well. I mean, they've, they they've been a little shaky the last few weeks, but mm-hmm. they need this game, especially with the Patriots kind of creeping up on them in the AFC East race. So 
I'd be stunned if they didn't win, but I'll enjoy it if they don't. So it's good stuff for me. But um, Stephen, you missed out last week when we had the the watch party. That was actually one of the most fun things because, you know, we're hanging out. It was cool to see everybody. You know, a lot of cool people came. I know Caleb, sure he's watching or listening at some point. Really cool that he drove all the way from Maryland. He also got Joe and Connor a case of this Maryland Maryland beer that he likes, which is cool. Really fun time. Uh, Obviously, we're going to do that again at some point. But uh, like we always say at the end of every show, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash turn on the Jets TV. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Just turn on the Jets. Um, And then make sure, obviously, you follow both of us on Twitter. I don't actually do this most of the time for the show, but, you know, (laughs) <laughs> at Steven Russo and at Zance. Um, but yeah, it's just, we appreciate everyone listening to the show. We're looking to try to figure out ways to make it better every week. And we just enjoy all the positive feedback. I know we're just fans, man. We're not like anything crazy here. And make sure you check out the uh, Badlands as well. Really cool to see all these people who showed out for Badlands and turned on the Jets last week. Best three or five dollars over spent on Jets premium content. Steven, any last words? I feel like I always go wax poetic at the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's all good. You summed it up. Um, you know, like I always say, it's good uh, in season when the Jets are playing terrible. You want to have some people to commiserate with. And when they're playing good, you want to hear more content because you want to keep talking about it and, and keep hearing other people talk about it. So subscribe to Badlands, tune in the TOJ uh, draft season, the TOJ pod, TOJ live, obviously, usually every Wednesday. This week is a little different because of Thursday night football. But uh, thanks for tuning in, man. Or all of you guys, we appreciate all the feedback. I'm sorry I missed out on the get together on Thursday night. I bet it was electric when Mike White threw that TD to Elijah Moore. It was. Um, wish I could have been there for that. But uh, uh, next time, next time we make it happen, then I'll definitely make sure to be there. One of the funniest things, though, I think it was like one of the first first steps we got on offense. The place was going erupting like we scored a touchdown. It was really funny. But hey, a, a non three and out first drive is something to celebrate for a Jets offense. They've been better with that. The first quarter yeah. offense has been good the last two weeks. I know it, man. So it's, you know, there's little improvements here and there. I think we can all get behind it. Um, you know, let's just, uh, let's keep it competitive the rest of the way. If Jets can, if the Jets can uh, sneak out a few wins here, maybe get like, you know, three out of the next five, it starts to paint a different picture and get some real excitement for 2022. Agreed. Agreed. Couldn't say it better, but uh, thanks everyone for 